Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. So you can officially say Merry Christmas without apology. It's uh, some of us start before Thanksgiving, but that's okay. We're excited about a lot of different things, but it really is. And it is a season of such great anticipation, isn't it? Uh, I love it. I'm excited. I know kids are excited about Christmas break. Yeah, a little bit. I know that was always my favorite thing. Presents were awesome, but Christmas break was like the best thing in the world, right? And I know adults, we're looking forward to some time off too and getting to be with family and, and maybe maybe something that you want. But, but uh, we're looking forward to at least some, some time off. And there's such a great anticipation for what is to come as we celebrate Jesus' birth. And I honestly think this season of anticipation has a lot to teach us. And I think we can... It fits because if you think about history and, and God's word, man, the Jews, if you can put yourself in the shoes of a, a, an ancient Jew that was waiting on the promised Messiah. I mean, they waited, when I was a kid, man, I thought it took forever for Christmas to come, but they waited hundreds and hundreds of years, even thousands of years. Since Genesis chapter three, they were waiting from the, for the deliverer, all right, that was to come. And I'm telling you, uh, they, waited, they waited a long, long time. And so as we think about that, their anticipation, I think, fits with our anticipation of this. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from that. And, and I don't know, some of you guys may not be in that place. You're just anticipating being stressed out. And you may feel like you've outgrown sort of this, this anticipating gifts for Christmas. And some of us may have outgrown uh, this new anticipation of getting like a new toy or something like that. I have not, but maybe you have. Uh, but anyway, we're quick to teach our kids that Christmas is not about gifts. And I think that in a certain sense, that's good. But I want to come back to this whole sense that Christmas really is about gifts. And it's not about the gifts we typically think about. It is about the gift of Jesus and the gifts of Jesus. The gift of Jesus and the gifts of Jesus. So on this second week of Advent, that's really where I want to go with this. You see, I mean, it really is a gift. We were doomed, okay? We were doomed in our rebellion against God. But Christ came, lived a sinless life, died and rose again. And even we uh, humans rejected him. And while he was on the cross, hanging there in front of the people he came to save, He says, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. This is a God who's given us a gift of salvation, a gift of of freedom, a gift in Jesus. And so uh, Steve did a great job of sharing last week about how important it is for us to recognize that God did not have to save us, but we have been rescued by him so that we can be restored into fellowship with God so that we can glorify him and enjoy him forever. He came to set things right and to rescue us. It's this incredible gift from our God. So as we celebrate this, we do a good job of, I think, celebrating what we are saved from, but I want us this morning to consider what we've been saved to. 
And I think this would be a really exciting thing for us as we consider what God has, has saved us into. Because here's the deal, as we get into the season of gift giving, you need to know this, that even some of y'all, y'all may think you're a really good gift giver, right? Some of y'all are really, you just make personal, maybe even handmade gifts. God has you one up, okay? <laughs> he is the greatest gift giver there has ever been. And, and it says that all good and perfect gifts come from him. He's the greatest gift giver of all time. And so I, I, I want to look at this and listen, before I get going, I'm not sure if Christmas was a happy time for you or in your family as a child. And if you ever got the thing sort of on your Christmas list, but I'm sure, all right, I'm sure of this. You have a father in heaven who loves you and wants to give you good and perfect gifts. Maybe it's always been a sore spot about Christmas, but you have a father who has loved you enough to literally break the bank account to show you how much he loves you. Through the work of Jesus, and now you have this, this father who loves you as a source of every good gift. Listen, he gives, his gifts are personal, his gifts are handmade, his gifts are thoughtful, they are timely, they never go out of style, they never break, and they never lose their value. The gifts of God are incredible. So there are four gifts that I wanna tell you about this morning, four very special gifts that you've received from Jesus and because of Jesus. And so we're gonna open these together. Y'all good with that? Uh, I always got in trouble for opening gifts um, before Christmas, but I, I, I get to do this today, so this is good. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna dive right in. This is gift number one. All right, everything comes in an Amazon box now, right? Um, <laughs> so the first gift that, oh wow, this is cool. The first gift that we get from God are galoshes, rain boots. Now, now, I don't know about you. These are actually my wife. You can tell she built a building recently. Uh, but <laughs> sort of doubled as her construction boots. But these galoshes, all right? This is what you get from the Lord. I'm please here as a little reminder. And I don't know about you, but uh, you're probably wondering why uh, I picked galoshes and why these are represented with this first gift. So I want to tell you a story. Um, my, my brother and I, before we get into our scripture, my brother and I, man, we had a, a charmed childhood. My parents were amazing. I hope some of y'all got to meet them when they were here a few weeks ago. I just adore my parents, both of them. And my mom uh, was home with us a lot as we were kids. And, and my brother and I, so you're older than me, his name's Casey, and we were nuts, man. We, we were outdoor kids, right? I mean, just, you know, we wanted to be out in the yard. We had tons of friends in the neighborhood. Just turn us loose. That's where we wanted to be. You know, we were out, in the, you know, in the woods with sticks and getting hurt and coming home bleeding all the time. Like, that's just how we rolled and we loved it. Like, any of y'all, that was your childhood. You didn't need video games. You just needed to open the door and get out there and go. Man, that's, that's how we were, especially when we were really young. And when it rained, it was this, this really disappointing kind of sad thing because you knew if you went out, you were going to get dirty and mom's always like, you're going to catch a cold. And my mom wasn't a huge on that. Dad, actually, thought <laughs> you're going to catch a cold. But in all honesty, you know, rain was kind of a downer, right? But I'll never forget this. One day it started to rain and, and mom was home with us and she could see that we were bored and we probably were making trouble, which is why she had to redirect us. You moms are good at that. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. But my mom, what was a really dingy, dark, rainy day, had this crazy idea. And she, she got my brother. She came in with our rain boots and she said, put these on right now. And it's pouring down right outside. She said, put these on. 
And we were like, what are we doing? Like, it's raining. You know, we were just on one of those moots, right? She's like, put them on. And my mom's really persuasive. Uh, she was actually on a children's TV show. And uh, she, she anybody else saw Romper Room? She was one of the people who did that. She just has this aura about her. She can make you do anything. Uh, it's amazing. So she comes in and she's just like, we're going outside. And so we kind of crack open the door. Mom bolts out. We sort of follow her. And all of a sudden, she's jumping in puddles and splashing around and going crazy. And she's like, come on. And immediately, like, it was just infectious. We were, we just ran out there. And we're, like, splashing and crashing and everything, kicking water up on each other. And, uh, man, what was, what could have been a really boring day, my mom turned into one of my greatest memories of my childhood. And, and it, it, she said, let's go pitter-patter after that. And I don't know if that term's ever been used for anyone else or anyone who understands it. That's what it meant at my house. It meant you have permission to go out and turn yourself into a complete disaster. We came in just muddy, covered with, and soaked in water, and it didn't even matter. And we had the best time just cutting loose out in the rain. And so when I think of Galoshes, in my mind, I think of that story, and I think about joy. And you have been given joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. It says this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Isn't that awesome? These angels are announcing this great Joy that is for all people. And in John 17, after Jesus had, had grown, and, and this is actually during his high priestly prayer in the, sort of the back half of, of John in chapter 17, verse 13, it says this. He says, Jesus speaking. He says, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The angels announced that great joy was coming for all men. And Jesus said, I have come so that they would be fulfilled in themselves with my joy. Isn't that amazing? He has given us joy. And I, I love this because I think it reminds me of that story. He's given us this perfect gift of joy. Now, when we talk about joy in church, many of you guys know this. We, we really want to make sure you understand this, that joy is different from happiness. When we read this in scripture, it is different from happiness. Happiness depends on our circumstances, right? But joy doesn't depend on our current circumstances. It depends on our eternal perspective. The joy depends on our eternal perspective, our faith in what is true. Happiness depends on what's happening around me. Joy is all about what's happened in me. Do you see this? And it flows out of us. And it doesn't matter if it's raining. You still have joy. It doesn't matter if you're walking through a puddle. You have joy. If you're in a storm and going through dark pain in your life, you still can experience joy. So we can have joy through the darkest, most difficult, challenging, gut-wrenching moments of our lives. Because we know this one truth. That unto us... A Savior was born, and his name was Jesus, and he came that he would give us great joy. I say it like this, joy, I think, is, is happiness, but with an eternal perspective. Does that make sense? It's happiness with an eternal perspective. Joy is like happiness with a backbone, all right? 
It's not flippant. It's, it's got a backbone and a, and a clear head. It's focused on the right things and it's rooted in our faith that our Savior was born and that he went on to finish the work of redemption. We have this joy. So I, I say this, this is how I see it. I don't know if this makes sense for anybody else, but joy is gladness with galoshes. <laughs> if that makes sense. Joy is gladness with galoshes. So with that in mind, uh, let's read a little bit more about this because scripture really speaks a lot about joy. And I, I think what I've learned about joy has changed my life. It's a gift that God has given that I can't really explain. And I, I don't know how, and my joy has not been tested like some of your joy has been tested. But I know that my God is big enough for the moments that I will face because in the smaller things, he has, he has walked me through all kinds of challenges. In James 1, verse 2, it says this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see that? What's the first part? Consider it all what? Joy. This is crazy. In the world, you'd say, consider it all happiness when your bank account is full and everything's going great, right? But, but scripture says, consider it all joy when you get tested, when you get, you know, wrung out like a, like a dish rag. Like we are able to go through that with joy. We consider that joy. Joy through pain that produces endurance and character in us. And you see, this, this brings us to this really challenging truth that we know that God isn't against earthly comforts. He's really not. Some of y'all might think that that's what I do think because I'm always challenging us to, to see God's work of building character in our life. He's not against earthly comforts, but when he has to choose between earthly comfort and Christ-like character, he's gonna produce Christ-like character in our life over appeasing us with comfort. And that is precisely why he's given us joy and not happiness. If he gave us happiness, he would have to build his whole way of working towards us in order to keep our circumstances perfect that would be happy. Happiness, happiness is not sturdy enough for a child of a God who desires to produce character. We need something with a backbone and God has given us joy that we're able to walk through challenges, walk through difficulties, that he sustains us. He's given us joy down in our soul that's got the strength to produce Christ-like character as we face the trials and challenges that God puts in front of us because he cares more about our character than our comfort. Y'all get that? And this is why he gave you joy. I think a great example of this in the Old Testament is in Nehemiah and our students. We've been going through Ezra and Nehemiah and it has been unbelievable uh, for me personally. I hope our students have gotten something out of it. It's changing me and I have really, really enjoyed studying and teaching through that on Wednesday nights. Uh, but as we've re read through that and worked through every bit of that, chapter by chapter, uh, in, in chapter 8, we see this word joy getting used. Now, I need to, to make sense of a little bit of this for you. The, the conquered Israel went through a very challenging season, all right? And they were conquered, but they had come back and they had just finished rebuilding the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. And in celebration, Ezra, who was a prophet brings the nation together and reads the law to them all day long. He's reading the law to them all day long. And it turns into this giant worship service. And as they heard the law of God, the people started in celebration, but 
it turned into weeping because they realized that they had drifted so far away from what God had intended for them that the people, while they're hearing the law and while they're hearing about God, who has always been about grace and mercy, by the way, it's not a New Testament thing. He's always done that. The Israelites never actually fulfilled the law. He's always been working and uh, relating to them in grace. But in their state of humble repentance, Ezra points to a merciful God and he says this phrase that we toss around a lot. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He says that to people who are in a state of repentance, who are crying out to God. And listen, here's the thing. There is joy because of Jesus who came and fulfilled the law in our place so that we who could never have fulfilled the law. We, we are lawbreakers. We broke a little of it, and so you may as well have broken all of it. All of us are guilty before God, but because of Jesus, he has fulfilled the law in our place. And not only are we forgiven of our sin, but we are credited to our, is credited to us his righteousness so that we, when we stand before God, have the same standing before God as a perfectly innocent son of God. Is that not incredible? As if we have the righteousness of Christ on us and we can come and in repentance experience incredible joy in Christ. Can I say this? There's no joy in rebelling against God. If you want to experience and open up this gift like I did a minute ago and experience the joy of your salvation. In scripture it says, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. That happens through repentance. And when you align our life with what God desires for us, we get to experience that. See, joy isn't something that we create. Joy isn't something that we earn. Joy isn't something that we deserve. It is a gift. And though we have nothing to give God in return, we didn't have power to stop rebelling against him on our own. But here's the amazing truth. Unto us, a savior was born and his name was Jesus. And he has rescued us and he came to deliver us joy, unspeakable, untaintable, untouchable joy that comes from God himself. It is a gift of Jesus. And John 17, 13 that I told you, it says that we may have he said, I came that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And Jesus' prayer to the Father, I hope you see this. Jesus said, I've come that they may have joy and that they would literally be filled to the brim with my joy. Jesus' joy. You're like, well, I don't have a lot of joy. Well, Jesus does, and it's his gift to you. Jesus knows the outcome. Jesus has an eternal perspective. Jesus has done the work of redemption. Jesus knows the finished product of your life. He knows the end of the story that you're going through. He knows that one day everything is going to be set right. And when you stand before him, whatever suffering and pain and trial and difficulty that you're going through now, that you may even think is unfair, that every one of us will bow at his feet and praise him for his goodness his holiness, his faithfulness, and his fairness to us. He has been good to us. And because of that, we get to experience this gift of joy. And where does it come from? It comes from Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has given us joy unspeakable, untouchable by your circumstances. It's a gift. And, and I'm telling you, as Christians, we need, to, we need to open up this gift and use it. You need to put on some galoshes some of you guys are walking through with shoes and just taking on water all the time. And I, and I get this, like, I think when you go to some churches, and man, I, that's why I love this church. It's such a joyful place. And we come and worship. It's like, 
Y'all are just like having to hold yourselves together because everyone's just going crazy. I love it. But so much of the church all over the world is miserable. They're walking around feeling guilty, ashamed, and condemned. And some of you guys are feeling that. They're going into Christmas, so maybe that's what you're feeling right now. Maybe that's why you quit coming to church all together for a little while and you're back. And it's because you just felt guilty and we thought the best sermons were the ones that sent us home feeling totally guilty and, you know, stuck. And, you know, wow, you really got me that time. Good sermon. Like, yeah, see how miserable the pastor can make us. Sometimes that's appropriate and biblical to have godly sorrow, right? It is. But listen, it is not more holy for you to walk around miserable with your head down, trying to convince God how sorry and terrible you are as you walk around with your just head. So listen, that is not why Jesus came. He didn't say, I've come that they may be filled with just penitent sorrow and sadness that their eyes would never get off the ground for the rest of their lives because they just have this really holy sense of sadness about every bad thing they've ever done. Listen, are y'all with me? He said, I have come that they would be filled up with my joy to the brim, overflowing to the community around them, just gushing out on everybody that joy would ooze out of them like a river. That's what God desires for us. And so listen, if you're walking through Christian life and you thought it's the best thing for you, even when you come into church, there's, hey, listen, man, experience the joy. Put on some galoshes, all right? It may be raining in your life. That God gave you glass. I got carried away on joy. It's important to me. We have more gifts. Uh, we open Christmas gifts slow at my house, so we <laughs> y'all do that. Y'all do it one at a time, or y'all just tear them all up. It's over in five minutes. Some of y'all like that. It's just the kids are, you know. Anyway, all right, we got one more gift. Let's open it up. Actually, we got a couple more. All right. Who wrapped this? <laughs> Headphones, uh, noise-canceling headphones. How about that? It's really nice. It's good. All right, so why noise-canceling headphones? Well, it's another story. Um, <laughs> I have to explain what this means uh, to me, and hopefully this will help you remember. But uh, I had an incredible gift. Uh, Jennifer's parents were very kind to us and uh, shared a timeshare with us, and we had some family who's in Germany uh, and so we went to go visit them, and on the way, we booked a flight out of Rome because we wanted to just zip through. So we hopped on the trains going through Italy, and the last uh, several days, we was a chance of a lifetime, we zipped down through uh, Italy, and we made it to Rome. And we had the awesome opportunity uh, to get to go and see something really special. Now, y'all don't get to know Jennifer quite as well, but she was an art major at the University of North Georgia, loves art, and, and, and she's very knowledgeable, and, and it's awesome. To, to see your passion and your heart for it. And going to Italy, and especially Rome, uh, was a pretty cool thing. There's this thing called the Sistine Chapel uh, there in the Vatican. <laughs> and apparently it's really important. No, I, I'm just joking. I, she's an art major, but I've always wanted to see it's the one with the hand of God reaching down to touch the hand of men. And I've always just thought that is like this incredible thing. It's like Michelangelo's magnum opus, right? It's just, now I'd like to see what he could do with this ceiling. That would be much better than what we did, right, Joseph? Um, but we, we gave it a best shot. Um, <laughs> it was simple. But Michelangelo painted this incredible uh, ceiling into the Sistine Chapel. And I don't know how you imagined it. And me, I, I always imagined the Sistine Chapel would be this huge, like, glorious, just incredible kind of building. Uh, so we had all these expectations going in. And 
uh, as we got there, we found out when we arrived to the Vatican that other people knew about it, uh, and there were other people there to see the Sistine Chapel. So it was a, there was a, uh, actually a line, if you can believe that. <laughs> Listen, it was like a million degrees uh, in Rome. It was so hot, like a sweaty, hot Florida day. And we were, we were waiting, and we was the end of our trip. We were exhausted. I mean, seriously, like our legs would not move. And us being total cheapskates would not pay for a cab. Right, so we walked everywhere about broke ourselves. So, so we're in this line, totally unexpected. We're having to like, you know, just trudge through this line, and it was actually kind of interesting. They had like um, old ancient Egyptian artifacts all the way, and church history, and incredible paintings through this massively long line. And for hours, we waited to get into this uh, Sistine Chapel. And so the anticipation just began to build, and finally, we got into uh, the, the holding room right before you go in. And they explained to us, they're like, okay. Uh, when you go inside, it's kind of speaking in like four different languages, they explain, you must be quiet and respectful as you enter the Sistine Chapel. And so we're, we're expecting it to be like this really calm, pristine, uh, really respectful, worshipful moment when we got to see this incredible work of art. And so uh, the doors kind of went open, and there was, it had been quiet in the room we were in, and all of a sudden there was a roar. I mean, it was like, rawr, 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 people talking, and I'm like, that's not right. You need to shush. And so I walked in, and then there's this Italian guy right as we were coming in. He's like, quiet, please. Like the guy at the Wimbledon or whatever. Quiet, please. And then everybody's like, like sec- two seconds, it's just as loud as it was before. I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And I remember going and walking, and you can't move. Like, we were, we were just sort of, like, bumping into people, and everyone's looking at the ceiling. I, I imagine a picture from the top would be awesome. Oh, everybody's just, like, looking. And, and I remember just anticipating it being this really sacred, special moment, right? And it just wasn't. It was smelly. Everybody's pointing. You know, we'd all been out two years or two hours, you know, out in the heat. And, you know, it's Europe in the summer. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so... <laughs> Deodorant is optional. Uh, but they, <laughs> so we, we were looking, and all us tourists, you know, it, oh, it just was not at all what I was hoping to experience. And I had this, uh, this thing that I sometimes do in a situation like this where I have my iPod in my phone. It's back when I had iPods, I had an iPod in my pocket. And I pulled out my headphones, and I had downloaded some Italian opera, right, <laughs> for for listening on the trip in the car just because it always kind of sets the mood. And I put my headphones in and flip that music up as loud as it would go. I like it loud. And, and all of a sudden, I'm listening to Andrea Bocelli. You know, it's just glorious, right? And I'm looking up at the ceiling, and all of a sudden, it was quiet. Nothing else around me horizontally mattered. And I saw God's hand reaching down to touch that hand of man. And I began to look around and see it, what was in his heart and in his mind. And with those headphones on, it literally, like, I was in tears in just moments. And I kind of get bumped. But it was a moment. And I, I, I tried to, after a while, I handed them to Jennifer and I was like, you want them? She's like, no, it's okay. And she was frustrated and angry because, like, she was like, this is sustained chapel. Why is it like this? And we walked out. And you guys, I had this crazy, crazy moment. And so in the midst of what was unbelievable chaos around me horizontally, I put some headphones on. And it gave me the opportunity to focus on what was happening vertically. And I was able to experience a worshipful moment in the midst of total chaos. And I think that when I think of headphones and I look at what scripture says, the second gift that we've been given is peace. And John 14, 27 says this. 
Peace, this is Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Isn't that awesome? Jesus says, I wrapped up a gift for you, and I have this peace, and I'm going to leave it with you, and I'm going to give it to you. Merry Christmas. Isn't that great? And it's not somebody else's peace. It's, he said, my peace. Just like he said, my joy. He says, my peace. It belongs to him. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He decided to leave it with you and give it to you. So Merry Christmas. You get headphones from God. Uh, so do not let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. In John 16, 33, it says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Isn't this cool? In Christ, we have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. I love this. Both of those passages, let me kind of bring out some things that I think are beautiful. Jesus is careful to say, not as the world gives to you, I give you peace, not as the world gives. And I think, how would the world give peace? And, and forgive me for imagining this on my own. But I would think, like, the world gives peace with a spa gift certificate, right? Like, go and change your circumstances and go to the spa and have everything all just perfect for a second and just enjoy that. That would be the way the world gives peace, and it lasts for an hour and a million bucks. And then all of a sudden, you get to leave into the world that, that you were already in. But, and that's how the world gives it. But Jesus didn't give spa day. I think he gives headphones. And the world promises peace, though. Think about this. more important than the illustration. The world promises peace through improved circumstances by fixing everything that's not working in my life. This is how the, the, the world promises peace. And this is what I think is the great lie. I will have peace if I fix my husband. I'll have peace if I can finally fix my house. I'll have peace if I fix my car. I'll have peace if I fix my kids. I'll have peace if I can fix my girlfriend. If I can fix my boss, if I can fix my bank account, then I would have peace. I finally will have some peace. So I got to get to work so that I have some peace. If I could just fix my circumstances, then I would finally have peace. If I could fix what's horizontally around me, then I would have peace. And the world's like, if peace is right there, all you got to do is fix the world around you. Buy this. Do this. Then you can have peace. This is a lie. This is a lie. That's not how you get peace. Think about it. Even if all those things were just like you want them to be, I hate to break the news to you, but it would not provide the peace that you're looking for. I mean, there are people out there that their real life can make Instagram blush, right? Who just got it all together and they're looking for peace. Because peace doesn't come from the stuff around you. It comes from Christ in you. Are you getting this? This is a gift. Peace doesn't come from improving your circumstances. It comes from focusing in on what God has given you. It's a gift of Jesus. So how do we get this gift? I mean, how do you open this gift? Philippians chapter 4. And in verse 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Again, joy, right? That's the first gift. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's a good word. Some of y'all need to be reminded of that. The Lord is near. So speaking of peace, in verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which 
transcends all understanding. I got the NSV here because I think it's so good. Transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So how do you receive this peace? From this, from this scripture, to experience this peace, then I think it's really simple. You experience the peace of God through faith in Jesus by seeing what he has done for you and that you can trust him through whatever you're dealing with, through the horizontal chaos, for your satisfaction, to supply everything that you need. And he says, when you realize that you need something, present your request to this really trustworthy, good gift giver, our God, right? Present your, your request to him. And then sit back and rest in his goodness. Isn't that awesome? Trust him to come through because he promised he would. And then you have peace. And you know that, man, I've done everything I can do in the field to plant and have a good harvest. But you know what? The harvest is the Lord's. I've done all I can do and I can have peace in that. And that's where he carries on in this passage. It says, I think that we have to, to trust him and put what you've learned in his word into practice. And that's when you experience the peace that transcends understanding. Jesus says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you. And even this passage, it even says that it will guard you like a garrison of soldiers in your soul will defend you on the walls of your heart. The peace of God will beat down the trespassing anxiety that the enemy has thrown into you, he will destroy them like an army in a walled city. Isn't that beautiful? Glory. That is awesome. You can trust God to give you peace because of the garrison of the Holy Spirit inside of you, not through fixing the circumstances in you. And for some of you guys, that will set you free this Christmas. Because listen, peace doesn't come from having the tree trimmed perfectly. Peace doesn't come by having every gift under the tree just right. Peace doesn't come through getting everything that you want for Christmas or having the perfect Christmas moment or the perfect Christmas card or the perfect Christmas, Christmas picture or Instagram photo. Listen, peace on earth and goodwill to men comes through Jesus Christ and he is within you. And when you experience that, you'll realize it is not through outside circumstances. It's through Christ. Look at the birth of Jesus. Where was he born? Is there anything peaceful about being born in a manger? Not even Jesus' birth had all the circumstances perfect. So free yourself from trying to pursue joy with perfect circumstances. Stop putting the pressure on your family to do that for you. And it's okay to pursue things that are good, but let's not make an idol out of perfect Christmas moments or perfect whatever achievements in life. And let's find peace that comes through Christ himself and let's just celebrate his birth. That's our gift for Christmas. Isn't that awesome? So I think it's really good. The third gift, and we're going to be done. Um, somebody stole my perfect gift. I'm serious. Somebody, it's gone. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. Somebody, somebody took it. I do, I do. We're just gonna go with it. What what it was gonna be? Uh, I had, it was a it was a, a fake airline ticket. And Keith, I went with Southwest. It was a fake Southwest airline ticket just because I love you. 
Uh, but I, <laughs> I had an airline ticket. I don't know where it went. It was a piece of paper. I must have, it must have fallen out of the car. That piece. Anyway, uh, it's not about the circumstances, right? <laughs> so why, why an airline ticket? Why would I, why would I talk about it? They're all on our, it's all digital now on our phone, right? So we don't need it. Uh, paper. Right. Where's my phone? I don't know. Oh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so... Uh, why an airline ticket? Well, I don't know about you guys, but um, I, my, some of my first airplane tickets uh, I ever got and boarding passes that I got were to go on mission trips. My family didn't fly a lot. You know, vacation, you start having family and kids, right? You got to take it easy. You get in the car. <laughs> you drive somewhere. So, so we went down to Florida, and uh, we were down there a good bit, and it was awesome. And uh, I remember getting to go on my first mission trip where I was getting on an airplane. Y'all ever had that? And oh my gosh, the anticipation that I began to feel uh, as I was on that airplane. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know where exactly it was, what it was going to look like. There was so much to me that was very much unknown, which is why we were going there. I was a little bit afraid, but I was a little bit excited. And I just had this incredible excitement about what was to come. And for the rest of my life, you guys, when I get on an airplane, that feeling comes back. I mean, every time I get on an airplane... It's like I have this weird existential kind of thing comes over me, and I get real, like, you know, serious about the world. I feel like I'm in a time machine. I don't know if it feels like that to you, Keith, but I feel like I jump into it. It's just like you just get in the car, go someplace, come back. For me, it feels like I've been transported into, like, some sci-fi, you know, time machine, and everything just stops around me, and it's all about what's, what is to come. And I forget about what's going on. My, my, you know, you don't have internet access, or at least we used to not to, and, and all these things. So I've, I've got my Bible out, I'm like journaling. And you know, some of the journals that I've written on airplanes are a challenge to me because I'm like, wow, you said a lot to God. Are you sure about that? And I just, it's this, just something comes over me where I have this hope of what is to come and where I'm about to land and what's going to happen when I get there. And so hope is something to me that I think we've been given from God, and scripture says that. So you got galoshes, you got headphones, you got an airline ticket. And I never feel more hopeful than when I'm on an airplane. I'm always excited about where I'm gonna be. Romans 15, 13 says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So there's gift one, gift two, it's from the God of hope in believing so that you will abound in hope because you were able to flip the switch, you were able to get the Christmas card right. Why? By the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Again, it is, it is Christ in you that's producing this hope. I just love that. It's not about the external, it's about the internal. You've been given this. You see, hope is a gift of God that he has delivered to us by the Holy Spirit. And man, I'm so pleased that God has given us. In Romans chapter five, uh, verses two through five, it says this. It says, a lot before that, but it says that through whom, and it means through Jesus in this passage, also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And because we've experienced the gospel, because we've experienced this grace, because we have all of this, it says we exalt in hope of the glory of God. That's what we do. We just begin, we erupt in worship because of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exalt in what? Our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And he says this very bold statement, and hope does not disappoint. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but most parents are so afraid of disappointing their children at Christmas, right? I don't know what they want. I don't know what they need. Or, or someone else, maybe you've experienced that. And, and disappointing people with our gifts is a reality. Anybody ever experienced that? Man, I got a few nephews and nieces, and I hate it when I get them the thing, and they're like, okay. They, like, pretend that nobody saw them open it, and they put it over there, you know what I'm saying? But in Scripture, it says that this hope that we've been given, this gift, will not be a disappointment. I love that. We exalt in hope even as we exalt in tribulation. Do you see the depth of that? We can have hope even through tribulation. Hebrews 6, and then we'll be done. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says this. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, okay? We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. Man, the author of Hebrews... Only Ian Connery knows who wrote it. Oh, but just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I like to tease him. But the author of Hebrews says, I, I, used, had, or, or, I used a plane ticket, but the scripture one-ups me on this and uses an anchor. And it says that we have this hope. It's like an anchor of the soul. And we should take hold of it. It's sure and steadfast. It's immovable. It's not going anywhere. And it tells us where this anchor is. Now, I, I don't know. Some of you guys need to hear what I'm about to say because you're going through life and it has been a disappointment. Some of you guys are like, I have seen a Hallmark movie already this Christmas and what I learned from Hallmark is my life stinks in comparison. Like it, it cannot compete with, and they make one every, a new, every, I learned this this Christmas. My wife has taught me that Hallmark makes a new Christmas movie for you every single day, every day. They, they're like, should be like this, <laughs> right? They're, they're fun. It's Good quality entertainment, I imagine. But here's the point. Some of you guys have maybe seen those, and instead of just enjoying the moment, you felt like it was an indictment. Like, I just don't have it quite like that. Some of y'all are like, well, I just, I lost a child this year. I lost somebody to cancer. Maybe I lost my job. I have no clue what's next, or my finances are a disaster, and I just, it's been like this for years, and I don't see how it's ever gonna change or I'm ever gonna catch up. Some of you guys, deep down in your guts, you're like, I dreamed of a life filled with romance and happiness, but instead, I'm on the edge of divorce. I feel robbed. I'm hurt. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Some of you guys are experiencing, my, my health is beginning to fail and I'm not sure why I'm here anymore and what God has left for me to do. Some of you guys are saying, you know, I feel addicted and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I honestly don't know how I'm ever getting out of this. Some of you guys are dealing with depression to the point where deep down you've not told anybody but you're even suicidal and you're facing this. And listen, you don't even feel like that change is even possible. Some of us feel hopeless and frustrated and have drifted farther in life than you ever dreamed you would drift. I mean, if you could go back and meet 14-year-old self and explain what happened, you'd never be able to handle it. And some of you guys are facing thoughts of fear and, and doubts and past actions, and you're just proclaiming out to whoever will listen, there is no hope for me. And in fact, part of your deal in life is trying to convince the people around you that there's no hope for you. 
And listen, I, I don't know what you've been through and I don't in any way want to minimize the pain that you're in or the storm that you're facing. I mean, it may be completely overwhelming like a tidal wave in the middle of the deep blue sea. I, I don't know what it's like that you're going through and I don't want to try and convince you that you're not in a storm and it's, you know, just get over it, tough it up. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not a, a life weatherman, okay? Because I don't know what, if the storms, if there's one coming or going in your life. And I don't know how you're handling the pain that you're in this much. But what I can say is this. There is an anchor for your soul. And it's not you. And it's not your spouse. And it's not your house. It's not your bank account. The anchor for your soul is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you where he is. Because it matters where an anchor gets, right? It matters if it grabs and if it'll hold. Your anchor is seated at the right hand of God. It says in this that it is within the veil. Some of you guys know what that means. In the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle and there was a, what was a room called the Holy of Holies. And I can't go into the whole thing in our time, but nobody went in there but the high priest once a year. And when he went in there, man, he had his, had his stuff together and I don't have time to get into it. It was a picture of the gospel as he went in. It was a picture of the blood shed for you and I. They went in there with, with the blood that represented the blood of Christ. And he went in there and he would repent for the sins of the nation as he sprinkled blood on the altar. It was a, it was a place where it was, it was recognized as this is where the presence of God is just off the chain. He is here. And guess where it says your anchor is? It's within that veil. And you realize when Jesus, not when he was born, but when he was crucified, the veil that was in the temple was split from top to bottom. And it was like an open door invitation for all of us who've been kept outside because of the holiness of God. We could not fulfill the law in ourselves. We could not earn it. We did not deserve it. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, because he took our punishment in our place, we now, through the blood of Jesus on our lives, we have been given a gift of Jesus. And in him, we get the gifts of Jesus. We get peace. We get joy. We get hope as we enter into the Holy of Holies. And listen, I don't know how far you may drift in this life, but I want you to know this. The anchor in going anywhere, it is Jesus, and it is in the throne room of God. And no matter how difficult things get, I want you to know that your anchor is in Jesus. His name is Jesus. When the storm is over, when your life is over, and when the line gets pulled back in to the anchor, right? You will be in the perfect, peaceful presence of the one true God, and you will see him face to face. Isn't that amazing? No matter what depression, no matter what pain, no matter what sorrow or loss you've experienced, no matter any regrets, regrets that you've had in this life, when you see him, I promise you, there will be joy and peace and hope in your heart. I love it. He says, a hope does not disappoint. And the fourth gift that I have for you is, is this. And the cross demonstrates the love of our God. The final gift is love. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time here, but I want you to get this. It says that God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
John 3, 16, you guys know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I can tell you, you will not be disappointed with the gifts that you've been given because you are loved by God. That's what it says. This this in Romans 5, 2 through 5, I stopped it. Hope does not disappoint. It says it does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Listen, Christmas proves that Jesus loves you. His death and resurrection proves that Jesus loves you and he has given that. And some of you guys are looking at your life, you're like, I'm a rebel mess. There's no way he loves me. He does love you. And you can't question that. You don't get to question that. He has proven it. It's been proven when he went to the cross. You can't say he doesn't love me after looking at the cross. He does love you. And you may have a nagging fit that fear that God has abandoned you years ago, but he has not. He loves you. And I want you to know that he cares for you. So you're like, I crossed the line. I went too far. No, you haven't. He loves you. He cares for you. Even while you were a rebel, he demonstrated his love for you. So this Christmas, you got some awesome gifts from God, right? You got joy from Jesus. You got peace from Jesus. You got hope from Jesus. And you got the love of Jesus, the love of our God. So no matter what Christmas is like at your house on the 25th, it's been a great Christmas, right? Listen, if you've never put your faith in Jesus and you want to know this Father, then I just want to simply say this. Repent of your sin. Confess that you're a sinner and ask him to forgive you. If you guys want to come, we'll close with this song. And if you want to ask Jesus to be your Savior, listen, we are all about that. You can find Steve back here. Come and grab anybody. We'll, we'll come pray up here. We'll, we'll walk you through it. You can kneel here by the cross, whatever you need to do. And listen, this Christmas, it may be, this may need to be the first Christmas you go through as a genuine believer. You may have been in church a bunch in your life, but you don't know him personally. Listen, I want you to get to know Jesus, who's done everything for you. It's not, you don't earn it by trying to be a perfect person. You've already blown that. It wasn't okay either. Jesus died in your place to take your punishment for you, but now through faith in Jesus, you can be forgiven and restored in the fellowship with God. Some of you guys are Christians and you have not opened your gifts, right? And you've been walking through convinced that you are miserable, life is stressful and chaotic, that you are unloved and that there is no hope for your future. You've been lied to because you've been given all of these from a source that cannot be questioned. So I urge you, in the same way you received him, walk in him. Each of these gifts are opened by faith, simply believing that what Christ has done for you is true. So I encourage you, don't wait till Christmas to open these gifts. By faith, begin walking in all four of these starting today. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.